October 18, 2021. So watch for Pedro's show.
show happy monday start off john Coltrane doing my favorite things live at one let's be in july 27 1965 last year up to her and then jeb solo london with repeats live in london jeb bishop and you probably could tell i wasn't man alone because of those sounds because of those <laughs> estonian soft engineers with their skype invention I'm able to have Jeff Bishop with me. Welcome aboard, Jeff. Thank you. Good to be here. And right away, we got to thank Brother Damon Smith for making the connect. That's right. And happy birthday, Damon. It was his birthday yesterday, I think. Okay. Grateful to you, Brother Damon. Bull fiddle. Did he ever hip you to that? Uh, you mean the, the term? Yeah, I've heard that. What well, was a gig where he got three of his buddies to get on stand-up and invite me up to the city. Oh, shit. No, I didn't hear about that. Yeah, it was a gig many years ago when he was first starting on stand-up. And uh, he called it bull fiddle for some reason. Okay. (laughs) So I'm glad he he keeps that spiel going because I thought it was just that. One day when you get time, you ask him about it. But I want to get into your journey through music. I want to know how you got to where you got on the bone like you do. (laughs) <laughs> so please bring, Jeb, your earliest musical recollection. Wow. Well, my earliest musical recollection has to do with hearing records at my folks' house, which was one of them I was into as a kid was Tijuana Brass. So I got some kind of brass sound in my head just from that. And then I started playing the trombone in the sixth grade in public music public school music program like a lot of people do 
Whoa. Uh, well, can I uh, ask you, this pad you grew up in, was there a musical yeah. instrument before school? Like, was there instruments in this your parents have? Uh, I think there was a piano. My parents were not, I mean, I did not grow up in what I would call a musical household. My parents were not musicians. There was a piano there because my mom had learned a little bit of piano at some point, you know, a long time ago, but she never really played it. So it was there for me to bang around on. Which yeah, I, did. I was going to ask you, did you ever jump on that piano? I mean, I do have really early memories of, um, yeah, it's weird. I have this kind of fragmented memory of playing a piano that we had, and, and I was convinced at this really early age that I could hear a difference between the white notes and the black notes, the white keys and the black keys. I was I was convinced that they had this different kind of sound, and I thought, you know, if you play, I don't know if I ever tested it, but I was like, it was like I thought if you played a white key for me and I was turned around, or you played a black key, I could tell you if it was a white key or a black key. So that was a that was a weird thing. You know, Curtis Mayfield tuned his guitar to the black keys. A lot of F sharps. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let me, <laughs> let me ask you key. this: So you just yeah. it was untutored, uh, right? You, you didn't have to go through the I don't know the right of piano lessons. I never, I never had piano lessons. Okay, no, okay. Because some people I've had on the show it almost scared them away from music. <laughs> it's a horrible experience. Other people, it was a great experience. So I was just curious. Now you said I was going to. My usual question is, yeah, were you in the choir or the marching band or shit? And I guess you won the bone. What sixth grade? Yep. Yeah, it started. I was ten years old. Started in sixth grade. Yeah, it was a band, school band thing. And, and, and what, then, what, do you, what do you think made you gravitate towards the bone? Well, yet another experience is that before that, some kids, like I was in grade school, maybe third or fourth grade or something, and some kids came from, you know, the local high school or junior high school, and they had this little sort of quasi trad jazz thing. Where I think they even wore like striped jackets and of like boater hats and stuff, and they were playing. And I remember I was fascinated with the sound that this trumpet player made, where he would do what I would now call like a downward lip slur and make this kind of like crackling sound that hit my ear in a certain way, and I loved it. So I wanted to play the trumpet. And then they came around to sort of assess kids' musical aptitude, and and also I think to try to assign instruments so they would have like enough instruments for a band and I wanted to play trumpet and they steered me away from that. They, I think they told me there was something about my mouth or teeth or something that wouldn't be ideal for that. And they pushed me towards the trombone and maybe they were right about that. I don't know. But uh, anyway, I was, I, I, I got steered towards the trombone, but I really liked it right away. So I was like, okay. So that was it. I heard in the marching band, bigger mouthpiece made it easier to work than the trumpet. Yeah, it could be. I mean, that's... <laughs> let me ask you this, Jed. First record yeah. you bought with your own money. Oh, man. You know what I'm going to say is. Depends on how you define my own money, but but it was really young and like I had an allowance my parents gave me. Or something. That's what but I mean. I, that's what I mean. Like you ain't got a lot of money. So it's, it's I'm curious, like, where would you spend it? I think I bought a 45 of the Monster Mash, which oh, was yeah. a hit. Bobby Boris Pickett. Exactly. I think that's what it was. And Jeb, first gig you went and saw. Oh, man. 
I mean, my parents took me to see like symphony orchestra stuff. And for a while, that was what I wanted to do as a trombonist. You know? So I have early memories of that. Yeah. Uh, so that would be probably the earliest like concert experience. You sure. know? And uh, yeah. now you're, you're probably around my age. So all the dudes in school playing brass. Yeah. There was no garage bands ready to do ska and bring you in. <laughs> At the time, no. Right, I you had to be well. a 90s guy, right? All those I kids so. in the 90s, yeah, they <laughs> they finally could get, get in the rock and roll bands, right? <laughs> I so mean, I was a total I want to ask you, your experience, yeah. I mean, our age, like, let's say the 70s, there was bands yeah. like, uh, that had brass, like Chicago, very popular. Yeah, uh, I love that stuff. P-Funk, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. That was one I really loved. Tower Power. Yeah, a lot. Of, but yeah, yeah, when yeah. it came to like garage, bedroom, basement bands, not much, huh? Yeah, not at that time. I mean, I mean, it would have been a cool thing to try to incorporate that, but I, that was an idea I wouldn't have had until much later, you know. But uh, but yeah, at the time, I mean, Chicago. My parents did have a blood sweat that that classic Blood, Sweat, and Tears first album. Them and too, I listened to that. Yeah. I like that. And uh, I was really, you know, as a, in junior high school, I got really into Chicago. Like, they're, you know, I think I just had the greatest hits record or whatever. But because of the horns and that, I like that. So, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. CTA, I think, was their first name, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that far back, yeah. <laughs> far back. So, yeah. uh, so what I'm getting at is you probably weren't yeah. in a lot of bands outside of school in your younger days right or were you let me know no i wasn't and that was you know partly a function of i guess where i grew up this is in raleigh north carolina that's where i grew up um and i don't think there just weren't at least not that i was aware of any opportunities to do anything with a trombone outside of school for somebody like me you know but i gravitated towards classical music pretty soon like as I got more serious about it, I, that was what I decided I wanted to do. So I was studying with like local symphony players and doing like summer music stuff that was geared towards becoming a classical musician. And I majored in that in college for my first two years. I went to music school and I was focused on being a you know a symphonic trombone player. And then I bailed on that after two years of that. But uh, but anyway, that's like you know that was that was where my head was at during that time in high school, especially. Can I ask you why he bailed? Yeah. Um, I mean, to try to keep it simple, it's just I think I got disillusioned with it started to feel musically too stifling to me, for one thing. Like I was kind of aware. I had started to become kind of aware of what I would call now like underground rock music and various kinds of jazz that I liked. You know, I went to school in in Chicago or just outside Chicago. This was at, at Northwestern. And I was able to see some really good jazz shows. I had like certain things. Actually, in high school, still, I got a copy somehow or other of uh, Richard Hell and the Voidoids Blank Generation, which was great an album, album that I loved. <laughs> yeah, great yeah. album. Fuck, great, it changed great. my life. Still, like, <laughs> yeah, that is still one of my favorite records. And that had nothing to do with classical music or the trombone or anything, but it might have, like, you know, corrupted my attitude a little bit somehow and just led me to think, you know, it just seemed. It just seemed like a life that I didn't want to pursue. You know, it's just very, and I mean, I'm like, this was me at age like 18, 19 looking at it. You know, I mean, with the later perspective, I might have stuck it out 
stayed in music school and finished that degree and found a way to use that opportunity to learn more about yeah, some other things in music. But at the time, I didn't do that. I just left music school. And I ended up, after a brief period of not knowing what I was doing, I studied philosophy for seven years after that. So all my degrees are in philosophy, actually. Okay. But, but, you, but didn't uh, put the, I, you didn't put the bone down. I did actually for quite oh, a while. Okay, okay, okay. I did. But know I that. took up, uh, I took up first bass guitar and then guitar and then whatever I would get my hands on, and I played in rock bands in the '80s quite a bit in local scenes in North Carolina, and later, you know, I went to Arizona. There's one of the tracks I sent you is from a rock band I was in in Arizona. I was playing bass in that, and uh, I got when I went back. This is like 1982. I went back to Raleigh because I quit music school. I didn't really know what to do. I was an engineering major for a minute, but I got a bass guitar and I started, I got involved with what was the punk rock scene in Raleigh at that time, which was a version of what people called the hardcore scene, right? What was the so, club there, Kings? Oh, uh, that, that came a lot later. That's later, okay. Yeah, Kings is a, a great place, but that didn't open until much later. Okay. Um, in the 80s, there was a place called First PC Good Times, and then it became the brewery. Right, right. But, I played there once. Yeah, I saw you there with Firehose. Right, yeah. right. Opening up for Sonic Youth, right? I think that probably was right, yeah. Yeah, it was our first tour. There's also the famous Cat's Cradle over in Chapel Hill. I, close I, by. Well, I was going to say, you know, the the triangle there. So there was gigs yeah. all, especially Chapel Hill, yeah. And, and Carborough next door, right. Exactly, um, right. Um, let me ask you about the bass. Yeah. Because the bone bass clef? Yeah, typically, yeah. doesn't have to be, but typically. No, no, but I mean, that was, uh, hey, I might as well go for this because it's maybe the closest thing in the rock world. Yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, no, 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 I had I, always been attracted to it even before for some reason. I don't know, maybe that's, yeah, there could be some, you know, pitch frequency level commonality there that has something to do with it. But I just like the bass, man. I like bass lines. I, I guess I like you know, thinking about it. You said uh, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Right. And Jocko yeah. was in that band for a little while. And he pulled, oh, the, he pulled the frets out of his bass, you know. He wasn't the first Bill Wyman was. But maybe a fretless yeah. bass is kind of like a bone with that fucking, you know, yeah. micro. I could, well, micro later, later on in, in Chicago, I was playing bass in some, when I was trying to, begin my involvement more with, you know, we're going to call it free jazz or improvised music or whatever. But I was playing bass then, and I took the frets out of my bass. And okay. I was playing front with Wow. Okay, okay. So, yeah. Defeating Leo's uh, reason for calling the bass a precision. <laughs> you gave yeah. me this music here, Water Damage, you did with Damon. Let's play. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
jets flying from train to train. Clean living is the best revenge. If we only have planted onions, how are these tomatoes all growing? This refrigerator is so well stocked.
Monkeys.
complications Get me down On lovers' face And quickly burning Like a New York cigarette Give me all That I can take
Watch for Pedro Show. That chunk of music start off with water damage. Damon Smith, Jeb Bishop. Then SLWCC Watt project got with uh, Sam Locke Ward and Iowa City. Clean Living. Mark yeah. Album. Deer Hoof, they got a brand new record. And this is uh, Beat and Bard. Oh, ye gates of hell. Mama's Prendon after that with King of the World. World, W-H-I-R-L-E-D, people. A little pun rock. Mama's Prendon. Gabby Wen from her new album, Banyan's Dream. Victoria Shen after that, an excerpt. Clock uh, Turnabout, one. Guided by Voices, I Want a Monkey. And then the Brass City, five. Or is it V? Oh, it's five. Okay, Roman numeral there. Joe McPhee, Jeb Bishop. I got to, a couple of years ago, meet Joe uh, McPhee oh, in New York City. I was just got done with a gig, and I was hobbling down the street and said, Hey, Mike Watt, this is Joe McPhee. <laughs> hey, Mr. McPhee. He was very kind to me. Yeah. He's a beautiful guy. Yeah, absolute, absolute. And it directed me to uh, search out his music and beautiful stuff and so, so, so tell yeah. me, yeah, what's your connect with him? To Joe McPhee? Um, well, like this piece, that, how'd this happen? Oh, that piece. Yeah. Well, that was a, a, a duo recording that Joe and I did early on because I had met Joe. He came to Chicago in the 90s and played at a series at the Empty Bottle that John Corbett and Ken Vandermark were, were booking. And Joe was a hero to both of those guys, and they brought him in to play this show, and that was the first time I had heard him or met him and i think he crashed at my apartment actually and we ended up staying up and talking and i played him a recording of that i had done at home of like a solo trombone thing and he liked it and then he approached me about doing a duo recording not long after that so that's that's what happened so that's people it, it's all about people that's really interesting yeah. let, let me yeah. go back on bass a little bit because i'm a little prejudiced to that instrument of course yeah no. <laughs> what was that. your first bass my first and only bass that I still have is a 74 Precision. Okay. And what about yeah. an amp? Um, it's been different things. So okay. Back in the day, what I had was this PV standard head and like a big 215 cabinet with EVs in it. My uh, first uh, really, bass amp in Minutemen was PV 400 with the 215 cabinet. Yeah, this PV standard had a certain tone quality I really liked. I don't know what it was about it, but uh, it sounded great. With the precision. Well, this was so, kind of sounded yeah, terrible. Like punk rock. This was sounding terrible for me, so I got rid of it as soon as I could. <laughs> but then, and I tried some wacky uh, biamp thing that was even worse, really. Oh, uh, shit. Acoustic, right? Yeah. They were trying to make a rebound. Oh, right. I had so, an acoustic for a while. Was your P bass three bolt neck or four, four bolt? It's a four. Yeah, great. Because there was yeah. some 70s, especially jazz basses. You could pull them out of tune. Terrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> no. I, yeah, I, I was thinking about that because I was like, you know, why did they go to three? And was it just to save a little money on like the metal? And <laughs> I think part of it was because at the same time they introduced in the old days, you'd have to take the neck off and put a, you know, match, uh, right. cover to shim the neck, and they had a little okay. shim adjustment. So I think that was part of it. But you're right. Okay. So Bean Counter probably told the boss, "Look, I could save us some money." <laughs> I mean, you're saving 25% on screws right there, right? Right, right. But you know what? Yeah. Notice no, there's no more. Yeah, right. There's no more three boulders. Okay, not such a good idea. 
Yeah. <laughs> like the guy, right? 99 olives instead of 100 olives. Look at the money. Yeah, right. Maybe I mean, that's how I first start. Right. We're at the end of the first hour, October 18, 2021 edition. What Pedro Show special guest, Jeb Bishop. Hold tight for hour two. October 18, 2021. It's the second hour of Watt from Pedro Show.
pressure in my head. A pressure in my head. A pattern throughout. There's always been a pressure in my head. There's always been a pressure in my head. Fail to
show start off the second hour fruit from the angels of epistemology not the worst name brother jeb <laughs> was convinced of that but i i've enlightened him black humor right. after that with hometown vigilante big boys from austin early 80s nervous almar golis no voice trumpet probably november huh? so we're a little early almar golis gonna be on the show soon again mm. Chester, New York. Love the man. Alex Ward, Weasel Walter, Jeb Bishop with Trimmin. How'd this threefer come about? Um, it was a recording date in New York City the day after a gig that I had done there with a, a different group. And actually, Damon was on the gig, and Damon was supposed to be on that recording session, but then it turned out he had a conflict. 
So we just did it as a trio with no bass. So that was the first time improvised encounter between Weasel and Alex and me. I played with Weasel a lot over the years, but I'd never met Alex before. So, um, so yeah, and that, that whole record is just exactly what we did in the studio that day. We just went in and improvised it first meeting, and that's what the record is. And Angels of Epistemology, one of the bands in Raleigh in your early exactly. 80s days. Yeah, in the 1980s, and that's, I kind of included that particular track because it was the only one I played trombone on back then. You know, I was playing bass and guitar in that band and some Casio keyboard and mandolin and whatever else I could pick up. But uh, but on that track, I played trombone, so it's kind of an early documentation of me you are a playing. Hip, you know, People say air guitar, but actually yeah. there was a term air bass that Captain Beefheart used, I think, for Bruce Fowler. That's right. You're hip to that? He did. I think, yeah, I've, 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 I think yeah. uh, Shiny Beast, right? There's no real bass yeah, guitar. Yeah, great. Yeah, and to me, to see that Shiny Beast, that's an example of the trombone in a rock band that, to me, later on became way hipper than, like, Chicago or something, you know? Because I, I just like I like Captain Beefheart. Oh, so Beefheart you were you were you were aware of it in the moment when it was happening? No, not until a bit later. Oh, but, uh, you weren't. You weren't. Okay. Okay. And there have been people that are hip to this. Know there's Shiny Beast and then Bat Chain Puller, right? Because the captain puller. would sign anything. Yeah, Puller, Puller. Because <laughs> he signed anything. <laughs> so there's actually two versions and completely different. Some of the songs are on there, but they're changed and yeah. Well, I think both are, are, are happening. I'm thinking of the one that has Bruce Fowler trombone on a lot. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, and instead of the yeah. remake later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, in fact, uh, they they end up, I think, of uh, well, there's Fowler Brothers, right? Because I think they're on yeah. uh, Ice Cream uh, Dock at the Radar Station. Yeah, yeah. Right. right. Yeah, also a great record. But yeah, there's, it, it's, yeah, what's the other, the brother, the other brother, does he play bass or am I? getting that wrong or is he trumpet or so i thought they were a, a horn section oh uh, it could be i think the bass man was a uh, uh, jeff morris tepper yeah and okay they, and he plays on that but then he went on to i don't know maybe perubu to help so he's not on ice cream for crow they got uh, they moved incredible hat size schneider back to bass mm. so they only had one guitar but that band never did a gig that's no? like Cliff Martinez on the drum. Yeah, th they did one video, and then the captain quit music. Ice Cream for Crow, is that the one that has Gary Lucas on guitar? Did That's that right, one? right. And Jeff Morris Tepper. There's a, yeah. But yeah. The, the hat size moved to bass, so they still have two guitars. Right. You're right, Gary Lucas is on there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I guess there was a Crow that his daddy, his daddy was a Helms Bakery delivery man, and there was a Crow yeah. that befriended him. Okay. And like, yeah, that might yeah, be. Crows. That might be. Crows are amazing. Oh, absolutely. So are Ravens. I mean, I have a big yeah. time respect. Uh, you gave me this El Norte. Thank you. 
on my right, lemon no milk, are they sealed by my eyes? I'm gonna, I'm gonna have them. The trees I can't capture can capture my eyes. This train is moving with scars on each wrinkle, cars on each track, rope hills and leaf mask. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have them. Said the scars I can't capture can capture my eyes. Trees? Have you appreciated a tree today? When I was 10, I used to climb a tree every day when I got home from school. But that's a story for another time. My son's ball passenger. Because you can't divide day with word and night with the night. A tree with my legs and love with what's right. I'm going to have it. I'm going to have it. I'm going up. Those orange stabbing trees, they go up, they go up, they go up, they go up, they go up. With their own brand of green, dark, emerald skirt. Separated one for every ten by the length of a body. You got a light coffin? I want a light coffin made out of pure light. And one for my saxophone and one for my might. Night would be better, but might not be true. I'm talking to myself over talking to you. I talk to myself while I'm talking to you. I talk to myself while I talk to you. Talking to myself like I talk when I'm you. Talking to myself while I talk when I'm you. I talk to myself when I'm talking to you. I talk to you all the jokes. I want my light coffin to be lined with faded red velvet, with a pocket kind of top case box-like thing by my head. By my side and near the feet, an open top divide. Just go look at a sax case and get the measurements. You'll know what I mean when you see it. To have it, I'm gonna. The difference between my saxophone coffin and the saxophone case, there are details I could give, but only once I get there, only once I get there. Only I get there, and once I get there, I can assure you there'll be need for alterations. And before I get there, I'll pretend to care by using hexadecimal numbers and never being satisfied. Oh no no no, no never being satisfied. It's my people. Don't blame the child. No, don't blame the child. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I have many opinions. Give me start and I will start. But even better is to have. To have I not share. To have I not stare. And then to have many shares. To have all the having. I'm gonna have it. I'm gonna have and not share. To have I not stare. And then to have many shares. To have all the having. I'm gonna have
that is the singular rise that always pays to play. I'm going down. Don't you get better than me, Auntie. I started that game before you did you, you cowards. You cowards amongst them, I have risen. I'm going down.
Pedro Show. That chunk of music started off with Jort Dijkstra. Yeah, that's right. Right, right. Because, because we got the Dutch spell in there. But we got a lot of Dijkstras here, but this is how it is over there in the Netherlands. And then Jeb Bishop with El Norte, live and yeah. I make it. You remember the venue? It was at a, a jazz festival, and it was in some kind of small theater. Okay. I don't, off the top of my head, I can't remember the name of it, no. And uh, were you just thrown, uh, this twofer duet just thrown together, or did you you know Jorrit? Yeah, no, Jorrit is a, he's been a colleague of mine for a long time. He is Dutch, he's from the Netherlands, but he's been living here in Boston for quite a while. Okay. But even when I was, when I was still in Chicago, he was coming there, and we did a number of projects together, and one of them was this duo. We made a duo CD but that uh, track you played is from a little tour we did in Europe as a duo. So we played, you know, we were doing our, our own, we were doing our own compositions that one El Norte is a composition of mine that I did for the duo. So, so yeah, it's kind of a little band that we had going. Well, how'd you meet him? I met your, uh, he approached us in Chicago at some point. It was back in early two thousands and he wanted to come and do a project with Chicago based musicians. So he put together and so that's how we originally met. Okay. We had Andre Vita after that in Berlin with Tehaven. Holly Reeve, family ties out of Glasgow, head boggle. He's got a brand new album. Who's playing guitar? He's the name of the tune. Mm. And then finally, Jeb Bishop Trio, round two. What is the Jeb oh, yeah. Bishop Trio? That, well, there were a couple of versions of it, but that one is with Jason Repke on bass and Frank Rosalie on drums. So we're really great rhythm section at the time we were all in chicago but now frank lives in amsterdam and i'm in boston but uh yeah that i had at some point i had this book of trio tunes and i just thought it was time to record them so i went in the studio and recorded a bunch and i did a self-released cd of that which is what that track is from yeah that was back in 2009 now you're saying jeb bishop trio has had Different incarnations? Yeah, before the one with Frank and Jason, I, I did the trio with Kent Kessler on bass and Tim Mulvena on drums. And there's actually also a couple of CDs of that. And uh, we did a bit of touring with that version. But those are both the versions over the years. And then later on, I expanded it. I added a trumpet player, Russ Johnson. And we did a quartet. And I did a quartet CD more recently. Well, you, you uh, gave me something we're going to play at the end, right? Uh, Flex quartet. Uh, yep. huh? Right. Yeah, exactly. So exactly, let me right. ask you about the Jeb Bishop trio. Was this the fucking first group you had where you're the shot caller? Um, if you uh, if you leave out the earlier rock bands, like in North Carolina, then yeah. In, in, in terms bands, of, uh, well, I, I understood. Maybe I understood yeah. wrong. I didn't understand. But I thought you joined other people's bands. And you actually had your own bands in Raleigh. Um. It depends on how you want to call that, but you know, there was a <laughs> punk rock called Stillborn Christians that you know three of us had, and and uh, you know that was, a, I mean, I would say we were all equal co-conspirators. Yeah, in a, yeah, in a yeah collaboration. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, and then that, that Angels of Epistemology similar deal. We all got together and made this band. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it my band. There was another yeah, one around then. I understand then that. that. I understand it now. Uh, you didn't give me any recordings of that stuff. Is there a reason? Well, I had eleven tracks, man, and I <laughs> Okay, 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 okay. 
Okay. I thought I thought about what to do, and I thought you know I thought about sending some of that stuff, but I thought but you know you know like, you can in the future. I'll play it and stuff. Yeah, skew it towards the present day a little more, or maybe yeah, concentrate sure, sure, on sure, sure, absolutely, absolutely. In fact, what I did was, you know, Damon Smith gave me this big hour and a half gig you did with uh, several people. I think Walter Weasel might have been a part. That la- uh, lady who was just on the show last week, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, from she lived a f- for a while in Austin. She's in Brooklyn. Sandy Ewan. Sandy, absolutely. She was right. a great, great yeah. guest. But that thing, yeah. I had to split up like six parts because it was so long. But I played all uh, that, and I think that was pretty fucking recent, a month or two. Yeah. I, I, am I on that, you mean? Yeah, you you're... are on that. Okay, then that was mm, a couple of years ago, I think. Oh, I it was a couple of, Well, maybe that's when it came out then, because Damon Smith yeah. turned me on to it. That could be, yeah, could be. Yeah. yeah, Damon is constantly. Yeah, Damon's a good instigator. He's a constant. <laughs> Making stuff happen and right, putting right. stuff out. The guy hustles. He's got but that ain't a bad thing, right? No, that's not a bad thing at all. Not that's at how all. it happens. Not at all. Not at all. Okay. Yeah. But one day I want to hear about those those Raleigh bands. You, you send me some music so I can play on the show. I go, this is early okay. Jeff Bishop. This is Jeff Bishop on bass. Because another thing, you didn't send me music where you're playing bass guitar. No, that's not true. One of them, the, the one by Ooze, I think it's called. That one, I'm playing bass on that. Ooze. Ah, oh, that's at the beginning of the next hour. Okay, well, we hadn't yeah. got to it yet. Yeah, I'm on base on that one. Okay, okay, so we get to hear a little bit of Jeb Bishop on base. I made sure, man, if I was going to talk to Mike Warren, right. I was going to put it. <laughs> but, but look, I think the bone <laughs> is beautiful, man. I really do. It's, it, oh, it, I, th- I, th- I think the bone's beautiful. It's a bass cleffer working it, man. And it's, yeah. I tell you, the fretless, not too far it is off. Fret- not, yeah, not too far off. Uh, uh, the trombone is a special horn for sure. Like one guy I played with recently told me he thought it was God's instrument. You know, something whoa. about something, who, who is something that? about the uh, sax player Alan Chase, who is in Boston, really, really great musician. Yeah, and I, I made some kind of like disparaging joke about the trombone, and he said, "No, man, it's God's instrument." You know, wow. and I know what he means. He's got this special voice. You know, it's like it can be really kind of uh, shattering in a way. You know, but, uh, yeah. I like that. Let's yeah. put it this way: it can bring it. Yeah, <laughs> it can bring it. We're at the end of the second hour, October eighteenth, twenty twenty-one. People show special guest Jeb Bishop. Hold tight for our three. October eighteenth, twenty twenty-one. It's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro show. <laughs>
might wonder what's going on with this band. They seem a little hyperactive. Well, we wrote a song about it. Guess what it's called? Hey, Bob, guess what the song's called? It's called Hyperactive. It happens because when, when I'm sleepy and hazy, really lazy, I get the urge to go crazy.
do a show started the third hour off with Jeff Bishop on bass guitar for Ooze, live in Tucson. This might must have been during your Arizona phase of your journey. Final, yeah. final party track. Now, is this an actual yeah. title or is it a description? That's it's a description. I mean, we we had we had a good little set of tunes with that band, but I don't think we ever gave any of them titles. So, right. did a live gig at a party, and that was the last one we did at the party. Okay, so, okay. So. And then, in my opinion, the worst band name: Babes New York City with hyperactive. <laughs> but they they, they they good little band, but that name's got to go. Ray Shin after that, and Tip and Tiffany. E-M-P-T-I-P-H-A-N-Y. Mr. Uh, Monk, right? He comes up with his own title. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's it. Good fuck after that from Chicago. Copacetic okay. Bandana. Excellent. <laughs> Titles, yeah. And then <laughs> Jeb Bishop, Man Alone. Downtown Crossing. Oh, yeah. T tell me about uh that. Well, that track, yeah, that, that's from a solo cassette that I did on the label of a guy, <clears throat> a musician, I should say, Bill Tucker, who I'm in, it was based in Chicago, and I did a, it's a the, the cassette is a live recording, mostly of a solo gig I did here in Boston, but then I needed like five more minutes, so I decided to do like an electronic, basically, track where I took a recording of myself playing trombone and I manipulated it electronically so that it doesn't really sound like a trombone so it's it's more like a five minute piece that i put together based on a trombone recording it's, that's what that is so it's been kind of not only repurposed but like revoiced <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah but, uh, yeah but it's interesting right to do stuff just just juxtapose different kind of context yeah you know it's something i've only dabbled I, I would say in that kind of thing with like manipulating source material but it's something i kind of would like to try to get more into you know like instead of just playing the horn but trying to <clears throat> deal with like studio aspects recording aspects things well, like well, that let me ask you about that do you have something at home or do you go to a studio uh typically for projects we go to a studio i do have some equipment here at home and i'm kind of in the process of trying to assemble a little bit more serious home recording setup so I just got a pair of good, really good microphones from Sweden. This company, Line Audio. Sure. Uh, I like those, and uh, a Zoom H6, which a lot of people have. But actually, if you put some good mics in that thing, you can get some really good recordings. This, this, this uh, gulf between the musician and the people who record musicians—that's getting smaller, huh? I think that's a good thing. Yeah, and I know a lot of good engineers who are themselves musicians or right, musicians right. record their own stuff. You know. Who, take that on themselves so, also yeah. uh the, the hardware got more econo yeah exactly yeah that's so, a good yeah it's a good thing so now the idea of creativity hasn't been solved but maybe it shouldn't be hmm. i'm not <laughs> you mean we, we haven't figured out how to how to automate that one yet <laughs> Yeah. I know Elon Musk is probably working on that. Yeah, right, right, right. Got to automate creativity. But you have to like it. The algorithm says you should. That's right. Yeah. It's demonstrably good, you know. <laughs> you don't like it, you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Can you believe that shit? So, <laughs> when it comes to composing, right, is a lot of your stuff improvised, or do you 
get temas together and keep notebooks on them and develop them. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, improvisation is really at the core of everything I do, but I do, I do work in a lot of groups where we use composed material, but even in those, the composed material is generally a way to set up improvisation. Right. So, it, you know, in that respect, I would say it resembles jazz, you know, that's something it has in common with jazz is that you have some composed material and a structure of some sort, but then, the kind of meat of the music is the improvisation. And in terms of ideas and things, I mean, my process for it varies depending on what the project is, but I, I have notebooks full of little ideas that I jot down, like audio stuff on my phone and tons of scraps of paper, things like that. But the amount of time I spend composing is pretty small compared to, you know, the amount of time I spend like doing free improv, free improvised gigs or gigs that are primarily free improvised or, you know, other people's projects where my job is to play their stuff. There's a collaborative group here in Boston called cutout. We've been working regularly with and that everybody brings in pieces for that. But our approach there is to try to like structure the sets so that we use the pieces in a freer way and mostly improvise the music. So yeah, it's that, that kind of a balance. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. You know, the, the, I guess a lot of listening. Yeah. I mean, I mean, improvisation, you have to be listening and, and in the music and creating it at the same time, which right, is the big, right. which is a hustle, yeah. right? That's a fucking yeah. tall so, order. You've done some things like that, right? Yeah, I remember, they, were, I they were all pants shitters, all pants shitters. Yeah, but like a record like way back, you did that thing, World Broken, weren't you on that record? I helped the Saccharine Trust people because their bass player haired out the night before. An incredible, great musician, but he said, I ain't going to go up there with no songs. I remember that guy. Yeah, I saw that band. Bob too. Fitzer, Bob Fitzer yeah. great bass man, yeah. but kind of insecure. Right. Fretless player, in fact. Exactly, I remember that. I, mean, I, had, I had a conversation with him after a gig I saw in Raleigh, actually about that but but then that record though isn't that pretty much an improvised record world broken you know what it's like one of those miles smiles things so they it's a big jam out but then after the fact you you, you edit you cut you, oh i see right so it's all killer no filler so hopefully <laughs> so somebody did like a t on the sarah kind of it wasn't like somebody it was fucking joe biza we know exactly oh, who was. Did it. i okay. love that man i love that man. look yeah i'm gonna play the diagonal some freakadelic okay
from Pedro Show. Last music for this edition. Freakadelic from the Diagonal. Then Toleman Berger with Untitled 3. This Toleman is... They, they sold the van. I think they're him and his wife are touring now uh, via train. Hmm. Uh, Jeb Bishop, finally, the flex quartet we were talking earlier in the show, people, uh, with, uh, concerning his trio, expanded. He brought in that trumpet. He realized what he wanted to be as a boy, but had to get another man to come in to do it. That's the way <laughs> life works out. And this is Razor Slip. Razor Lip, I'm sorry. Razor Lip. Which yeah. is a good name for a good trumpet man. Uh, and it was live in Chicago. What was the pad? Empty bottle? Uh, that was live at the Hungry Brain in Chicago. Hungry Brain. And, and, and speaking of Chicago, Jeff, did you know the tortoise guys? You know, a lot of them live in SoCal now. In fact, last week I got to share a stage with uh, Jeff Parker. That's right. I was going to ask about that because that, that tune Incredible. you played. What, what he did was uh, he played with Elliot Sharp first as a duet, two guitars. And Elliot yeah. actually I made a record with George Hurley called The Bootstrappers in the late yeah. 80s. That was improvised. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Right, right. So I thought they were fantastic. Both Elliot and Jeff are incredibly creative people. Yeah, I love those guys. Yeah. yeah, Jeff yeah. Is, I worked with Jeff a lot in Chicago and is one of my favorite musicians for sure. Yeah, he lives out here now. And, and so does one of the drummer men, Johnny Machine. Yeah, and, John uh, Hearn. Right, right, right. He also does... I think tattoos, but uh, yeah, great some kind of uh, great name when he does DJ. And then uh, the other drummer man moved up to Portland, but he was here for a while. Uh, Mr. McIntyre. Oh yeah, right, right, right. So I think the bass yeah, he... man still, Doug still lives in Chicago. Uh, yeah. So uh, what's on the table right now on on your music uh, platter? Oh man. Well, you know, with the pandemic, things have kind of slowed to kind of a crawl. But I have a tour coming up in Germany in December with some German guys. Okay. And where and, can people find you on the Internet? Oh, I have a – well, you can look at my website, which is kind of cobwebbed at this point, but it does have information. Okay. That's, you, that's you are Jeb at – JebBishop.com. You can find okay. that. J-E-B-B-I-S-H-O-P.com. Yeah, and then there's a link from there to my Bandcamp page, which has right, you know, right, right, right. Yeah. The other telephone poles where you can put up flyers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can find me on Facebook and uh, Instagram. Yeah, probably yeah. the yellow pages too. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Remember that that tome, the yellow pages that never gets you. Remember they'd like leave them outside your front. Yeah, edge. they would bring them to your house. Right. Yeah, crazy. That don't happen anymore. No. Or if it does, everybody throws it right in the recycling. <laughs> Big honor to have you on the show, Jeff. Thank you so much. When you get new stuff, will you come back on? We can play it and talk about it. Thank you very much for having me, sir. It was an honor to talk to you. I appreciate it. Well, I yeah. just gave you an invite. We can record some new stuff. Can we play it? Okay. Invite you oh, on yeah. and talk about it? I'll keep in touch. I'll let you know. Okay. And maybe it'll have some bass guitar. Maybe some bass guitar. Maybe some bass guitar. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Big love, brother Jeff. People, it's been October 18, 2021. Just watch Peter Show. Keep you powder dry.